It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Jay Crawford. Adam the Bull. Garrett Bush. And so many big names... It would take me hours to say all of their names. The ultimate Cleveland sports show. Booyah! Tuesday, Tuesday! Here we are! The sports show! We've got some disappointing Guardians news that we're going to get to. Brutal. Man. You, you up oh, Jay's not, not of his mic on. The pro's pro <laughs> forgot to put we have on disappointing, That's a rookie mistake. Disappointing Guardians news today. We're going to talk what have the Browns impacted more, the defensive line or wide receiver, what's been the biggest impact. And Karis Levert, what a run he's had here of late. No more of that, this uh, overrated Isaac Who is Coro. this guy that they Let's call Karis, Karis Levert now? He's a real player. He doesn't look like the Karis Levert we saw the first four months of the season. No, but he's played great of late. So do, and none of us trusted uh, him when we played that game. No, last I know. I, I'm still not sure I trust him in the playoffs. No, how could you? But I trust him a little more. Karis yeah. Levert is a uh, Casanova, if you didn't know. Mm. We'll get to the uh, the Guardians news, but how right disappointing. You, from the time the season ends to the new season begins, it's just a crescendo builds, 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 builds. The excitement peaks, you know, opening day, just, you know, hours away. Right. And now we find yeah. out that uh, there's some bad news for the Guardians. We'll get to that in just a bit. Your bet. Did you win last I night? I did not. I had Damn. the under in the Pistons uh, Bucks game. Oh, you game. felt good about that, too. felt very good about it. I think it went way over. It went way over. <laughs> yeah, the Pistons scored like 115 points. Where the hell it was did that It was 126 from? to 117. Yeah, yeah. Very was... high-scoring so, game. Defense optional. Someone told me this once. You'll know, McNuggets. I don't know. I don't bet NBA. I don't follow it closely enough. But someone said sure thing money in the NBA is to take the over on games late in the year that mean nothing to neither team. Because they don't play defense. I took the over in the Cavs Rockets game. It was yeah. under by 30 points. So yeah. Well, that game meant wow, something. Wow, under by 30. What was the over? But the Cavs. 29. But it, it meant something well, to the Cavs. 91. And and Ooh, last yesterday's. God. But I don't. But the the Bucks it game meant something to the Bucks. They're still trying to hold on to that one seed. Yeah, but I mean, it, it meant something to them. But it was a, you know they could have rolled out their B team and won. Sure, sure. So that's I, true. Pistons stink. So anyway, but we'll try to bounce back today. The Cavaliers. Remember, I have three road games left. Before I get the details, Mikey, give us give us the read, will you? Yeah, as much as Jay says there's free money, there's no free money in games. No, so that's, keep that, that in mind. Isn't that true? And if you are going to bet, you might as well use Bet Rivers because it is one of the great sponsors here of the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. We love Bet Rivers, and now is the perfect time to join the Bet Rivers Sportsbook. When you use deposit code SPORTS, you'll get a second chance bet up to $500. That's half a grand. Get on all the action with weekly specials on your favorite sports like basketball and hockey. To help you win big, check them out at BetRivers.com or download the BetRivers app today for the latest lines, odds, and boosts. And I did two BetRivers podcasts yesterday, one in the morning uh, about the uh, Browns free agent additions over the weekend and the Cavs clinching the playoffs, and uh, one last night on Lamar Jackson asking for a trade. So there you go. Now the bet of the day is the Cavs tonight. Cavs got to win their last three road games 
to finish over 500 on the road. And if they beat Atlanta tonight, I think they'll do it because they're playing two games with Orlando after that. I like the Cavs to win. They've been much better on the road of late. I think they're a far better team than Atlanta. Atlanta is battling for one of those play-in spots in the playoffs. But I love the way the Cavs are playing right now. I think they want – we talked about this yesterday, about them keeping their foot on the uh, the gas here down the stretch, try to be as high as possible, win as many games as possible. I think the Cavs get it done. They'll win. Only have to win by two. And what's interesting now, the, these games, every they are important for the Cavs. We thought that they were kind of locked in the four. Yeah. Philly lost last night, and now all of a sudden they're just a game and a half out. Right. So, you know, you've got to look at it like they're two and a half hours. Right, because of the tiebreaker. The tiebreaker but but they win out, they'll have a shot. It's doable yeah. with the way these two schedules play out. That's right. It's very doable. It so, is. And what's the difference between the four and the three? Well, for starters, you wouldn't have to play Milwaukee. If Milwaukee gets the one, you wouldn't see Milwaukee in the second round. You'd right. see Boston. They're three and one against Boston this year, although I think all three of their wins were overtime. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, in the end, I don't know it's a huge difference because you might end up with a tougher matchup in the sixth seed. Yeah. And, but True. still, I just think for a young team, you just want to play well going into the playoffs. Get that yeah. mojo together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You feel good. Um, we got to start with Tristan McKenzie. Um, we told you yesterday that he had a sore arm and that he was going to be out. We kind of speculated at that time that he wasn't going to be ready I wasn't feeling for his first it, yeah. start. I mean, otherwise, um, you know, you probably wouldn't have even heard anything about it. But now comes news that he has a strain of basically it's it's – the big, strong, powerful muscle behind your right shoulder, behind your pitching shoulder. Yeah, that's bad. It is bad. Um, it, uh, the good news is that it, it wasn't anything that was torn or structural in right. that way. Right. It's just what we talked about. It's overuse early in the season. He probably ramped up too quickly, wasn't ready to go full speed, and now he's up to eight weeks was yeah. what, what caught and, my attention. And you wonder if that's why he struggled in spring training. Maybe he was bothering a little and he thought he could pitch through it. I, you know, who knows? Yeah. He's a young pitcher. You know, he's had injury problems in the past. A couple of years ago, he missed almost the whole season. We've talked about his size. He's 6'5", 165, I think we said yesterday. It's really unfortunate. I, I thought he – I was thinking – I'm doing my baseball preview on, on my Bet Rivers podcast tomorrow – and I was thinking until a week ago of picking him as like one of my surprise Cy Young candidates. He was he was my dark horse. Yeah, and and this is a huge disappointment. Like they say, up to eight weeks. Who knows? I mean, it, it, you know, I, and and even then, like if he's, you know, what what's he going to look like by the time we get to June? So, I, in my mind, I'm I'm almost thinking like he's out for half the season. Now, yeah. hopefully, it's not that bad, but. Uh, for a rotation that I was already a little nervous about the back end. Now, police act's been okay. Savali pitched a really well yesterday. They both it's, been pretty good this spring. I just can't get like I got to see them do it consistently when it matters. I know, you, know? you were really you were down on both of them last yes. year, but yes. everyone I talked to out yeah. in Goodyear said the same thing. They were hurt. Both of them were hurt. They were pitching hurt all yeah. year, and that happens. I mean, when guys are trying to work through injuries. You're not 100%. And if you're bringing anything but your A game, yeah. you're going to get beat. I'm a little worried. I'm a little worried about both. I, I don't think either's got great stuff. No. You know, right? But they were both really good two years ago. They they were. My my concern, especially with Plesak, is I, they, I'm i a little worried he's in that that uh, Bauer-Clevenger mode of yeah. guy. Like, he's – like I, I'm not worried about that with Savale, but I'm a little worried about that with, with Plesak. Like, he's got other priorities sometimes. I didn't I, not that this on its own was that big a deal, but the whole thing with like where they were out breaking the COVID rules, like just the way he lied about it. I, I, I yeah. think that says something about your character. Yeah. And so I have some concerns there. That's Listen, fair. they're going to need these guys. 
Yeah, you know, it's funny. Yesterday, we were yeah. talking about how last year, one of the things that they really had going in their favor was they, they didn't have any injuries. Right. You know, they pretty much skated through the season. I mean, obviously, Jose played with the thumb the second right. half, but he played through it, and they still made it a, a little run in the playoffs. Um, those things tend to wash out over a large Absolutely. enough time. Absolutely. So, when, if you go one year and you're super healthy, the odds <clears throat> are super against you that you're, right. you're not going to do it again. That, yeah. That's why I always caution people when they talk about who you don't need and why you don't need to go get somebody else. Because what happens is people forget, hey, bro, you got injuries that happen. Some two or three people can go down. This is just before the season. What happens if, if you get another two guys that go down and it does, doesn't have to be for a long, sustained period of time. It yeah. could be a week. And, and you're looking around and saying, okay, well, what are we going to do with scramble? That's why I'm always aggressive when it comes to getting reinforcements because – you know, if you're if you're betting on perfect health, you're in trouble because yeah. that's just not and, the way sports works. And I've been talking about, you know, all offseason, I'm saying I'd like to see the Guardians get a veteran starter in the mix. Yeah. And I know you're relying on, the, like, they got these young pitchers that they really like, but those guys are not starting the season in the big leagues, those no. top pitching prospects. What do so you think now, they'll do, Bull? Will they move Eli Morgan into the rotation? That's a good question. He struggled I mean, when he started. He, he did, but well he looked a lot bed. better out of the bullpen. Of the and I wonder if he's figured some things out. And maybe they might well, give him a spot. It's possible start. that happened with Carrasco. Remember Carrasco really struggled. I do remember. They yeah. moved him to the pen. He was great, and he was and great after that. They moved him back to the starting uh, rotation. And so and they've had good. some success doing that. Um, I mean, there's not a great ap- option. Cody uh, Morris is hurt right now. Right. He's starting the season, uh, and, and so is Sam Hentges. I know he's not, you know. Right. I mean, so I, I, they had the kid Xavion Curry, who they just sent down. He pitched a little. Yeah. You got, uh, what's his name, Pilkington, who pitched a little last year. He did. He had some spots. You know, this, this is why, this is why I, for a lot of people who are fringe baseball people, yeah. they get frustrated because you hear these names, right? You hear all of these great names, the young pitchers you got, young players. But they're in the minors, right? Yeah. So you said something very like just off off cuff. Yeah. All those yo yo young kids can't be brought up. Why? I didn't say they can't. No, I'm I mean, saying they won't. Why? Well, in 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 some cases, teams like the Guardians don't bring up guys right away for money reasons. Clock. And that's unfortunate. Yeah, their it's big a, league clock starts. It's sticking. a bad part of baseball. Now, well, to, in their defense, they did that with Frankie Lindor famously a couple yes, years ago. In so, their defense, I don't think these guys are quite ready to pitch. In do the they have options? Like, can't they go back once they come up? They can. Yeah, they can, but you don't want to do it too soon. Particularly, right. I, I think more with pitchers than hitters. A yeah. hitter can go through an 0 for 12. Right. Hitters do that. I was worried with Eli Morgan when he made his first start, and I talked to him about this in Goodyear. I was at the game. Yeah. I don't know if you guys remember. It was that game that the wind was blowing about 50 miles an hour. It was raining sideways, and they played it. Yeah. And the next day, it was 60 and sunny, and they canceled it. Right. And no one could figure it out. I talked to Eli about that, and I said, not only did they keep you out there, he was getting shelled. It was his first big league start. Yeah. I was worried that that was going to set him back. Yeah. You know, I was just like, get that kid out of there before you damage his psyche. Right. And he talked about that game, and it can set a pitcher back. If a guy's not yes. ready and he comes up to the big leagues and he gets shelled, it, uh, now he's got that swim in the back of his mind. two healthy pitching prospects have not had a lot of time in the high minors yet. No, they haven't. So, I don't know that they're – like, I'm not sure I'm that they're quite Bybee's ready Bybee's a guy they love. I do hate when they don't call up guys, not just the Guardians, other teams do it. I, they've changed the rules now to – try to dissuade teams from doing that. It's a it's bad for the sport. Because, I think so too. Because one of the things that the Indians have an advantage of 
and some of these other smaller market teams is they have an advantage to the fact that they have a really good minor league program. Right. They got good. They they scout well. They got prospects down there. So why not use that to an advantage? If you got guys that are getting hurt, yeah. Instead of going out trading for big hey, name guys, bring your young you know guys what? up. I, listen, we may see one of these guys. Let's Bibby, for example. I bet we do. We yeah, might. I, see, I don't know if we we'll see him right off the bat. Yeah. But maybe we see him four weeks in if they, so, if, you know, but I love them. Like right now, teams are cutting down, right? Yeah. You're, you're, the roster's got to be set by, I think, tomorrow night, uh, maybe Thursday morning at 26, right? Right. So there's some teams that have some pitching depth. Maybe you grab a veteran guy, even if he's a fifth starter, to get you four or five starts uh, till you, till you can, till you think you're ready. Maybe let Bibby get a few starts in the minors, yeah. get his feet wet. Okay, he's pitching great. Well, let's bring them up. Now. I think the good news here is, at least in April, it, we're considering worst case scenario eight yeah. weeks. Right. He's young. Yes. He's healthy. Yes. It might not be eight weeks. If you can even push the sure. timeline up to mid-May, you don't play every day in April. No. You know, you get you get you can more skip off that fifth days. Starter spot. So you can you can probably stretch your starters out to four for the first couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm going to look. And at the then schedule, once you get into a spot where you have five games in five days or six days and you need that fifth starter. Maybe you call a guy up, give him a look, give him a start. Maybe right. Pilkington, a guy that's done it. I feel much more comfortable doing that with a guy that's done it. Sure. And then yeah, I you think just that's try to the way bridge to go. the gap until he's back. Right. I think the way to go in the beginning of the year is with one of these guys who may not have the best stuff but has seen some big league time or go pluck the veteran who's not going to make a roster. I remember uh, Tito talking. I, I asked, so who's going to be the who's going to be the guy this year? Because last year they had 17 guys made their big league debuts. And I said, it's almost, uh, when you do the math, there's not going to be that much opportunity. The two corner outfield spots are now spoken for. Last year, they were not. So there really isn't a hole that they're looking to fill like they were last year. And he said this, and others said this. It's baseball. There's going to be opportunities. Guys are going to be hurt. We believe that the guys that we put in to take their place are going to do just fine. So and, that's what and, we have to, and remember, you know, to with young players, especially Jay, you know this. Like, as good as Oscar Gonzalez was last year, if he's batting a buck fifty-two at the end of April, he's going to the minors. You yeah, might, you now we don't will. want that to happen. You might but. have a couple of guys that come up, and they're like, "Man, you you're trash right now. We yeah. have, we we got to sit you down, dog." Yeah, Jimenez isn't hitting the ball great. Um, I'll tell you who's hitting the ball great, and I know you'll dismiss it because it's spring training, and so do Miles I. Miles Straw. Miles Straw's hitting damn near 400. I just the, my problem with with spring training stats is I know. I'm not paying attention to who they're doing it all. Oh, uh, you're right. Or what that pitcher's working on that day. I just think I take all spring. But you know training what? Here, here's the thing. I do too. Yeah. But here's the thing. If it was 200, we would be saying the same thing. Ah, I'm not buying it. It's spring training. Wait yeah. till the season starts. I would much rather be 400 than 200. Sure, for a guy like Straw who has struggled, yeah, good. He needs that good confidence. For him. Yeah, it's good you for know, his confidence. I mean, listen, we don't need this lineup as we expected to be better. Miles Straw is the you know last year Miles Straw was one of three big weak spots in the lineup. He was. Now he's the worst hitter o- in the offensively. lineup. Offensively, uh, right? Offensively. Yeah. Now he's at least in theory the worst hitter in the lineup. Yeah. Well, I can live with him as my worst hitter because at least he bring. Forget the defense, which obviously he's excellent at. But even from an offensive standpoint, he has the ability to steal bases. He's ability to run right. the bases, as opposed to like a guy with Austin Hedges, who's like brought nothing to the party. Useless, right? Every once in a while, he'd run into one. Right, and but, that was all he brought. Yeah, that's that it. Was it. He couldn't run the bases. He was no. a, you know, it, 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 so at least Straw, if he gets on base, I don't need Straw to be great offensively. If he can get to the point where he's like slightly below average, I'll take it. Do we? I, are know. we going to pick a win total 
for the Guardians. We're going to do that tomorrow before on the season Thursday, starts. Thursday, okay. We have an Because entire... I think I'm going to adjust mine. We have bit. an entire over-under. We're going to do a ton yeah. of betting props with the Guardians, Good, okay. player props and all that. I do have all a question right. for you, Jay, on this topic, though. You pitched professionally. and you Use that term this, very loosely. But not not at that pitch, level. I mean, whatever, but yeah. Right? You know this maybe more than, more than most, not maybe. Why is it harder on the mental aspect for young pitchers who come up? As you and Bull mentioned, you know, if it, they come up early, they get rocked, they may never find right. that confidence again. As opposed to <laughs> a guy like, a, yeah. you know, in basketball, he gets off to a rough start, but his career still can take off later. Why is it in baseball that it's harder to refine that confidence? That's a good question because your skill set in basketball is obviously there's defense involved, but your skill set is what your skill set is. If you can stand in the corner and nail threes all day long, you can do that whether you're playing on a playground or whether you're playing against an NBA player as long as you've got an, a lane and an open shot. In baseball, particularly as the pitcher, your skill set is only half the equation. It's the other player that you're facing skill set that determines your success. So as these guys come through the minor leagues, they're oftentimes the best guy on their team and they're having a lot of success and they've never been in a spot where they're just getting racked. And then they come up to the big leagues and they're seeing the best 750 hitters in the world. And now all of a sudden, they start to question their skill set if guys are starting to square the ball up and put it in play a lot. So it does have a lot to do with what the opponent is doing to what you're doing to them. So with that, that in mind, sense. and then Bull. Uh, but I would say, before you move on, Mike, I would say also that there are some basketball players that oh, suck yeah. early and, and they don't turn out to be golfers, that, football that, that players, about them. everything. You can and get there are baseball slump. pitchers who suck early and are able to get over it. Sure. But some guys can get screwed Christian up. Christian McKenzie got got absolutely yeah, he did. hammered early in his yep. career. Yeah. My, okay, but he turned it around. To, to follow up on that, though, Jay, and then we'll move on to some Browns talk. But when is the right time, in your opinion, for Francona or really any ma manager to call up a young guy like is there something he has to show to prove he's ready to take that step or it, in your opinion what is it for yeah. me it's stuff I like I was watching guys throw bullpen in Goodyear there's nobody in the batter's box I'm just looking at their stuff if you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason look no further than the locked on NFL scouting podcast Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And there's some guys I'm nodding my head like, oh, my God. Yeah, he's got command of everything. And when you're throwing a bullpen, you'll work in and out, up and down. So the one thing that a pitching coach or a manager wants to see is, are you hitting the spot they're telling you to hit? So give me a cutter low and away. Yeah. Are you throwing the ball there? Yeah. And if you're doing that consistently with two, and particularly if you can do it with three pitches, you're ready. I well, think well, also I don't ahead, understand. Well, if you're a batter, like, yeah. like I think sometimes you got to realize <clears throat> if you're going to pitch, right? The only thing you can do is throw strikes and put it over the plate, right? And, and, and under certain circumstances, if you're a hitter, the hitter just makes a great, like you know, it, it's a great play. Yeah, like, but you may you kind of simplify it and say if you're a pitcher, all you have to do is throw it over the plate. 
It's really way more than that. Yes, you, it's you gotta, way more you than gotta, that. You've got to change speeds effectively. Yeah. Yes. You've got to work up. You've got to work down. You really have to work in. Sure. And I get, But I get what you're saying. If, if sometimes guess, a pitcher makes a great pitch and the hitter just makes a great, a great play or vice versa. And you guess right. And I, see if you agree with this. Yeah. In my mind, yeah. eight out of ten times, if you have a top-line pitcher against a top-line hitter, the top line pitcher has the advantage. Yeah, at wins. least eight out of ten. Because they already have the advantage. Uh, if you if you fail seven times out of ten for your career, you're going to the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and yes. so like well, but think, and think about it from this perspective, Jay. Usually, when the hitter wins that battle, it's often because the pitcher made a mistake. Very much. So. Not because yeah. the hitter just, you know, because how often. Does a great pitcher get beat on a great pitch? I know. That it doesn't very happen very happens. often. So, yeah. that, so my thing would be, if I'm a pitching coach, is, hey, look, all you got to do is is hit your hit your spots. Don't right. make the mistake. Right. And usually you're going to get easy. them out. It's, 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 done it for a young right. pitcher. You're right. Yeah. It is very <laughs> And I will tell you this, because um, in, the, in the few minor league games that I pitched, you know, I always say that the one thing that never changes in sports is the free throw. If you think about it, the, mm-hmm. the circumstances are always the same minus the score. Mm-hmm. So there is some pressure, at, but pitching is pitching. It's always 60 feet, six inches. The box is what it is. The plate is what it is, but you feel, you feel pressure based on situations. When I was pitching in front of a full house in a minor league game, the ball got sweaty. Yeah. You know, everything got a little more tense and you tend to struggle to get your command early on. I love the, the, the scenario I mentioned, the great pit, pitcher versus great hitter. That's why I love the end of the WBC so much. Yeah. It was one and two in baseball. That's right. It was That's Mike right. Trout, the dominant of his time hitter, yeah. against Shohei Otani, and the pitcher won. Now, other famous battles, the one that comes to mind for me, Kirk Gibson mm-hmm. versus Dennis Eckersley. Yeah. And and, and I, I'll, I'll never forget Eckersley mouthing, you know, Mouthing the words, wow. Yeah, yeah. After, you know, he beat him. Of course, Rajay Davis, the great hitter against the Raldis Chapman. <laughs> By the way, last thing real quick. And then one we'll of the all-time on. great matchups. Yes, yes it was. <laughs> um, one other thing I would say about stuff with pitchers, I think the power pitcher, nowadays it seems like everybody's a power pitcher. Right. The power pitchers can often adjust to the big leagues quicker because at least you can overpower a guy. Right. Like where the control guy, yeah. the guy, like, the like, soft thrower. Those guys take time to develop. They do. Greg Maddox had a 560 ERA in his first year in the big leagues with the Cubs. He's 560. A, he's a great example of exactly yeah. what you're talking about. Maddox wasn't a hard thrower at all. No. Maddox today, I don't know if he would get a look. Well, he was a little hard. He threw a little harder when he was young. Not hard. He yeah. wasn't a hard thrower. He was never an overpowering but pitcher. But then he became like kind of like what Kyle Hendricks is well, now. Well, you know, kind, just kind, pinpoint they, control. They kind of cheated for him, though, One a little g- bit. Well, well, he uh, earned that. Like, yeah, but they were doing that for everybody. What, for all good pitchers. What, what, that what these guys, balls is way out here. I know, yeah, but yeah. Here's, here's what that is. When guys prove over a, a number right. of years that they're hitting every single spot they're trying to hit, like the umpire can see if the catcher doesn't move his glove. Right. So if the catcher sets up low and out. That's right. And the ball is right there. They got to call it. That's where he wanted it to uh, be. The and now they start now. to stretch oh, really? the zone for those guys. Even after the guy threw him out of the game for well, not that, having the ball. Oh, that get, was get these dudes up out of here. Give we me accurate track. Don't worry. We'll By the insane. way, a name, a name. I was just quickly was looking through my <laughs> baseball rosters. A name. I think the, the Guardians should go after an interesting pitcher, Anthony Sclafani, veteran pitcher, was with Cincinnati for a while. I don't know him. He's now with the Giants. And he's not in their rotation. He's he's a guy who's been a starter, oh. but the Giants have a very deep rotation. Always been in the National League, I think. Always right? been in the National I, League. I haven't seen him. 
Uh, I'm trying to think if he had spent one year. No, I don't think so. I think it's all been Cincinnati and San Francisco, if I remember correctly. And he's not in the Giants rotation. They could use another If they bat. trade for this guy, I'm going to fall out of my chair right now. <laughs> I, I think it's possible. He, I don't, all right. He owns a car wash he, in St. Louis, too. <laughs> and, he, and he's a guy, like, he's an interesting guy. Not, not a star. Right. I don't even know what his numbers were last year. But he's, okay. he's a solid starting pitcher. McNuggets has a read. I bet you the line on the Guardians trading for Anthony Descafalinato is about he's 33 to 1 on BetJack. He's the time, funny. The time is now way. Ohio Sports <laughs> Fans. Right. Sports betting Mike. is live. Download the BetJack app today so you'll be ready to go in on all the action. <laughs> BetJack, it is Ohio Sportsbook. And it's time to talk a little Browns, fellas. Yeah, um, guys, the question of the day is, um, I think obviously the two areas that the Browns mostly improved, the defensive line and the wide receiver. Yeah. Both of those were huge areas of need. Mm-hmm. Uh, G. Bush, which which area do you think is better today than it was before free agency? The defensive line or the wide receivers? Well, let me, let's clarify the question first. Okay. Is the question which unit is more improved or oh, which unit is better? Yeah, let's go more improved. Okay. Because All right. that a, changes the yes, answer. Yes. It does change the answer. Uh, this is easy. Like, if it's most improved, it's, it's the defensive line. Yeah, it has um, to be. It has to be. Um, receiver, I, I like the moves they make with receiver, but defensive line, you found a, a guy in Dalvin Thomason who's going to be a starter. Um, you find you found another guy in, in the young OG who will be a starter. And now you got guys that are in the middle uh, that are that are in the competition for that other defensive tackle uh, position. Now it looks better if you move Perrion Winfrey down to a third string type guy and he's going to have to compete with Hurst. He's going to have to compete with Hill. You're going to have a lot of more, a lot more competition, and you have depth now. Um, you can move Isaiah Thomas to back up uh, Miles Garrett, or you could put him over uh, opposite of Alex Wright. So you, you now have a, a smooth reset. And you know what Andrew Barry just basically said? He, he basically said in his signings, you know what, I whiffed on all these. I missed on all those. I missed on – because if, if he didn't miss on them, Alex Wright would have been a starter. Isaiah Thomas would have been a starter, and he would have had either Jordan Elliott, Togia, and he tried to to, to fill the roster the right way, which he is through the draft. But he just whiffed on all of them. So now he's just saying, "Look, let me find out if any any of y'all can give me some meaningful snaps in in a, a situation type." You're not thing. even ready to give some of those guys the benefit of the doubt because it takes a little more time for those to incubate. Like that, that's not a position that you come in no, rookie year and no. just dominate. Well, he 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 feel he felt like Jordan Elliott didn't have years to get right. He felt like Jordan Elliott. He Jordan Elliott should be a starter. Like he's a third round pick. He's been in the system all these years. Right. And so he and and I think he felt the pressure too. A lot of people will tell you ain't no pressure. I can do what I want. Like we 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 don't find any pressure. Everything is on the up and up. We just went through our process. That was that's not truthful. Because you wouldn't have brought in starters. These are guys that will start for you. You would have took that them assets and put them somewhere else. Except Hurst, I don't. You don't think Hurst is a starter? Oh no, no, no. I, I think mean, he's. I not think a he could be. If he he's could healthy. be. He really? Hurst yeah. or Hill or or I. I'm hope you're hoping Perrion Winfrey and, and, and Jordan Elliott will probably be in the mix of those four. But all you want is one guy to make themselves available and say, "This is my job." And we saw with the Eagles too. You rotate these guys in as much as any good position teams, group on the field. Teams with good defensive lines have six, seven guys rotating. And, and, and what we saw with Philly was those guys with 71 sacks or whatever yeah. mm-hmm. because they were always fresh. That's right. Mm-hmm. They, their second team was good enough yeah. to come in and take a lot of snaps 
resting their starters. So when you need these guys to make a play in a pivotal series in the fourth quarter, yeah. they still have something left in the tank. The Browns sure. did not have that luxury last year because their starters weren't up to snuff. Yes. Now, uh, I will say this, though. That I still, if you're talking about stopping the run, this, this unit looks like it'll stop the run. I don't know how much pass rush you're going to get from them. Right. I don't know how much pass rush you're going to get from um, Tomlinson or, or Herster Hill. Um, so they might have to manufacture some, um, some, you know, rush by doing some other things. But I think they. Well, I think we're going to rush be, yeah. more than four. Like last year, it was yeah. rushing four, yeah. right? And that's all we're bringing. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you do have to get exotic. Bring linebackers. Bring corners. Bring safeties. That kind of thing. But I think that's what Jim Schwartz is known for. He'll do yes. that. It, he has no problem doing that. With you know, them. guys, it's interesting when Mike sent out the rundown yesterday. From that moment until about four minutes ago. I was planning on agreeing with G and saying the defensive line, and I do think the defensive line has improved. And as G was talking, I'm listening to what he says, but I also, in my head, uh, I'm going through what they got at receiver, and I thought about this. I, I said, on the defensive line, I've gone from a zero at starting defensive tackle to Tomlinson, who's a, who's a good player. I'm not sure, like, I, I'm not 100% sure Clowney to Oboe is, a, is an upgrade as an overall player. Oboe's got, like, upside, which Clowney no longer has. Yeah. But the one thing, and, and Clowney was a bit of a pain in the ass, especially last year, but the one thing Clowney has always excelled at is stopping the run Absolutely. at the defensive end position. Yeah. So I'm not sure where we are. The other guys the Browns have added on the defensive line are, not, are interesting lottery tickets, especially Hurst, because he was productive, but he hasn't played for two years, so I don't know what he is at this point. So I like the upgrade at defensive line. But the more I thought about wide receiver, now some of it's projecting, right? We're all sure. projecting with these guys. I really like uh, the Elijah Moore fit with the Browns. So, so you think the and wide receivers got So I'm going got with wide receiver. Improved uh, yes. more Here's than the defensive line? Because in my mind, I was thinking, well, the Browns didn't upgrade from a zero. But then I was like, yes, they did. Because to me, David Bell and Anthony Schwartz, who last year were their third and fourth receivers, those guys are zeros. Now, David mm -hmm. Bell might not be a zero this year, but – he was a zero last year, and Elijah Moore was. I think he can be a. I think he could turn out to be a quality number two wide receiver. Yeah. Now, some of that is projecting on my part because he hasn't been productive enough, but he's played with terrible quarterbacks. And if you look at his numbers, with all those terrible quarterbacks except for Zach Wilson, who's the worst of the bunch, his numbers with those other guys who are still bad, but not as bad as Zach Wilson are really impressive. Yeah. And I think, again, all my assumptions on the offense, fair or not, is that Deshaun Watson is going to be good again. Right. And if he's good again, I think the potential is Elijah Moore doubling those numbers. Uh, uh, the touchdown certainly more than doubling, but the other numbers doubling and even a little more beyond that. I'm expecting him to have a, about 1,000 yards a season. I'm expecting him to have like four or five touchdowns a season. I think 1,000 is a it is that's, a lot. That's a big jump. It's a big was. jump, but I think he's capable. The guy was a borderline first-round pick. I think he went 35th in the draft. There's tons of speed. There's a lot of talent, and he's going to play, I think, with a big-time chip on his shoulder this year uh, <laughs> after, you know, being discarded in New York. And so, and under the radar, we, we all know Marquise Goodwin is not a mm -hmm. huge player. Right. But again, Marquise Goodwin for a fourth receiver? We'll take that. That's quality. Yeah. For a, again, we'll take fourth that. receiver. What I can do with Marquise Goodwin, I can use him a little on special teams. I know that's not yeah, wide receiver. He can. He'll make a couple of big plays. He, he's not going to consistently make you big plays, 
but he'll make a couple big plays. And we know Kevin Stefanski loves that trickery that gets people frustrated sometimes. Well, Marquise Goodwin, who he's had like 11 rushes in the last few years, he's a guy you can use on a trick play because he's got he still, as you've talked about, has big time speed even at his age. You know, you just, you just said something, boo, and I'm I'm gonna say something that's very controversial. Ooh, I like that. Um, people people have given up on Anthony Shorts, um, and I'm not a big fan of it. This is controversial. This is controversial. <laughs> um, you've watched him. Anthony Schwartz, I think, has a place on his team. Wow, man. And the reason why I'm going to say Anthony Schwartz has a place on his team is if you go back and watch Auburn, Anthony Schwartz wasn't catching footballs. Anthony Schwartz wasn't doing none of the above. He was he was a glorified special teams guy and a glorified running back. Here's the thing. Anthony Schwartz, Kenny, I don't even really trust him on the punts like that. We, we got, I that's don't why Jakeem Grant got, we back, got him back here. Well, but, but think about it this way, G. They have if you if Jakeem if we assume Jakeem Grant's definitely going to be here and I think we all assume that he will be I, mm-hmm. I think he will right? well that's you, you add the four guys that we know are going to be here mm-hmm. the, yeah, where's where's the spot and on the then Grant for and you know they're not cutting Bell after one year no that's six receivers are they going to keep seven no I don't think so if no. they do then maybe Schwartz would have he, a chance right, but this. I think they've got to move and, on from in this new offense right. They're, if they're going to be vertical game and you're going to take some carries away from Nick Chubb, you still need to be a little balanced in certain things you do. And the one thing Anthony Schwartz can do is he can run the ball. Yeah, but you know what, G? I can use Elijah Moore on those type of plays. You can. I can use Godwin on those type of plays. You can. I can use Jerome Ford. I could use, uh, what's his name? The other young running back. Uh, 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 Felton. Felton. I could use him on those Here's the thing, though, I don't G, need I, 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 I'm wondering if so assuming that maybe someone over in Berea is thinking that maybe they brought Marquise in as a way to see this is the last resort. If, yes. If because here's what Marquise Goodwin is. People don't remember this. A lot of people don't know this. My yeah. son reminded me of this on the phone the other day. Marquise Goodwin still has the high school United States of America long jump record. He jumped 26 11 in high school. He was at the Olympic trials in 2021. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so he could still. Scoot. So yeah, he was, he was what? 29 then. I don't know yeah. what he was. Mm-hmm. He was still amongst the best athletes in the world. Right now. He didn't make the team. He had a pretty good showing, but he still, I asked Corey, I go, did he look slower to you? He goes, no, he's not slower. He, right. the, the only reason he didn't make the team was because he was training with the bears and they wanted him to put on weight and that's his day job. Right. That's what pays the bills. Sure. So he even told Corey, I, I wasn't, I wasn't in jumper shape, mm-hmm. and he wasn't. I watched him jump at Texas. I watched yeah. him jump at the Olympic trials in 16. He was just a different built guy. He yeah. was much slighter. If he gets to his, to where he was at his peak, which he, he was just two years ago, he's going to be just as fast as Anthony Schwartz, but he has a body of work that he can lean on. Right, you're going to trust Schwartz him. doesn't. He's been so the league a decade. Thing. Maybe this signing was nothing but we're going to find out what we got in Schwartz. Right. And you know what? They didn't, he's probably doesn't have any guaranteed money. Goodwin. I doubt it. Right. I and, doubt and if it Anthony seriously. Schwartz goes out there and kills it in training camp, then it worked. Then you cut Godwin and you move on. Then it worked. Cause you much rather have a younger speedster yeah. that can, that can catch right. the football. I never, there's no point in cutting him right now, unless you no. needed the cap space. No, or bring whatever. him to camp. Let him see what he can do in camp, particularly with the Sean in preseason right. games. 
But, but what we just, saw of him last year, no. man, I got to tell you, that it shocks me that he you played, say that. He because, plays with no confidence. Well, you, that, uh, yeah, right? oh, no. They were handing oh, no. the ball to him yeah. just to get him hey, some he, confidence. If he's a slappy again in training camp, but got to move on. But here's, here's where I, I take it. I look at it from, from a standpoint that your offense, one thing you can coach is, is, is speed. And I think that they need a jet motion type guy. They got Goodwin. They'll have Schwartz. I think what they'll do is they'll have that guy in that kind of role where, hey, you're not. Oh! Finally hit one. <laughs> Sorry. Finally hit one. Because uh, you threw it. I right. went. You oh. threw it, yeah. So goes it, the shoulder. It, all it takes is this. And you know, speed isn't intoxicating, Jay. Yeah. If he catches a ball or a tunnel or bubble screen or he gets a reverse and he goes to the house in any preseason game, right? He's automatically on the roster. You're right. Because you, you, you get intoxicated because you're like, oh god, see it once. You see and it once. You know, listen, Anthony Schwartz is John Ross 2.0. Yes. The Browns just made the stupid mistake in the third round as opposed to the Bengals making the stupid mistake <laughs> yeah, in the first round. Because right. he's the same player. <laughs> yeah. He plays with no confidence. He's got great speed, but he can't use it on the field. No hands, no confidence. Yeah. The, uh, the idea that he's going to turn it around in training camp, there's no there's no reason not to give him the chance. But you're going to give him the chance because you just drafted him in the third round. But so, got no I mean, faith a couple that he's going to You got to give him a chance. Yeah. McNuggets, uh, we have a DD. Bring we do in. have a DD, and our first guest of the day is brought to us, as always, by Lincoln Electric, now hiring for great jobs. They have the most expertise in manufacturing and welding. If you're looking for a job in the electrical field, Lincoln Electric is absolutely the place to apply. Check them out if you haven't. Lincoln Electric, a great sponsor of the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. Love them. And now, Aditi Kinkabala. What's up, Aditi? Hi. Good morning, guys. How are you? Hi, Aditi. So, Aditi, uh, yeah, uh, did you talk to Coach Harbaugh about the uh, – we're going to get right into it. Lamar Jackson, <laughs> what's going on? What's going on here? We got to get that scoop. Do you – okay, so, but do you honestly, G, think that Lamar had absolutely no clue that Harbaugh would be talking that day? Oh, oh, oh of course. Oh, it was 100% oh, planned. Oh, all planned. All planned. The Ravens that's, put out a I news release saying what time he was going to talk. left field, and I'm like, that did not come out of left field. That <laughs> yeah. was not unknown. No, but nice thought right there. Yeah, well, <laughs> we said yesterday it was planned. We talked about this. This is the most – interesting contract negotiation that I can remember in more than a dozen years of covering the NFL. Seriously, just because of all the different parameters, just everything about it from Lamar never having an agent, then potentially someone actually kind of negotiating on his behalf. And now even Meek Mill is trying to get into the conversation. And I don't know if that counts as negotiating on Lamar's behalf, right? Like, how great is that, G? Did you see that? I didn't see that. That's why we yeah, bring you Mill on. Apparently Hold told on. Robert Kraft that Lamar wants to go to the Patriots. And, and Meek Mill Meek is an exec. Paul Robert. Yes, Adam just told us. I mean, I think that that's just brilliant. I mean, all of this. That's going on. And then Jimmy Haslam has to go out and defend why his team did business the way that it did business. Because let's not forget, this is not as much one business as it is 32 separate businesses. So, yeah. I mean, it's not like people are having to defend the way Daniel Snyder has done business. But in any case, I just think that um, the Ravens are playing it as classily as they possibly can. What else do you expect them to say? They're not going to sit here. It's not their organizational ethos to ever 
be undisciplined in their messaging. So you are not going to hear Steve Bishotti or Eric DaCosta or John Harbaugh sit here and rip the player or say that the player shouldn't have done this or even that they wish that the player didn't air the dirty laundry. And they're certainly not going to do anything to potentially burn a bridge because the way this all plays out, Lamar Jackson may indeed have no options other than to sign that tag. Yeah. And then... The Ravens certainly hope play for them. Although this whole Colts thing is now really fascinating, yes. and I love that Jim Ursay is getting involved. Right, but Jim, saying, but, oh, we'll pay him a lot of money. We just won't guarantee the money. Here's what I think is happening. I think I, I do think there. I, I when the news first started a month ago, I was like, okay, I'm not going to scream about collusion until we see this play itself out. But when you hear the Washington Commanders say, you know. We're not going to go after Lamar Jackson. We're going to stick with Jacoby Brissett and Sam Howell. I mean, that's embarrassingly laughable that you wouldn't be interested if you're Washington. What I wonder is happening here. I wonder if there are a lot of owners right now in this league that are hoping that Joe Burrow and or Justin Herbert sign an extension before Lamar gets settled. And because if those extensions with those guys, especially Burrow, is not fully guaranteed, then Lamar loses. Now, Lamar could still do whatever he wants. But if Burrow signs a deal that is not fully guaranteed, I think Lamar loses a lot of leverage to push for this fully guaranteed. Because if Burrow, who's way more accomplished than Jackson is, and you could argue would would deserve a guaranteed contract more than any quarterback in the league outside of Patrick Mahomes. If he doesn't get his whole contract guaranteed, then I think the Watson thing becomes the exception and not the rule. And I think that's what's going to happen going forward. You buy that? So I agree with you that I believe the Watson deal will ultimately be the exception. I've already gone on record saying that I really have a strong feeling, indication, thought that Joe Burrow would prefer a shorter term deal. Yes, maybe fully guaranteed, but not at the number and the length of Deshaun Watson's. I would caution you here though. We keep throwing around that Lamar Jackson is demanding exactly or essentially Deshaun Watson's contract. And I will tell you this, in all my years around the Ravens, in all my relationships with the Ravens, they are unbelievably disciplined i'll use that same phrase unbelievably disciplined in terms of what gets out and how they feel about what gets out and i'll tell you a story about that lamar who now is taking control of his narrative and his messaging has also not ever said hey this is exactly what i'm expecting or they need to do this he's been pretty vague about it in fact and he's mentioned the three years and the guaranteed and the this and that so there's this noise out there that he's looking for deshaun watson's contract i'm not sure that i would 100 percent bank on that being a an established fact that that's what he wants and as for the ravens John Harbaugh, who I have been on the record telling you, is one of my favorite coaches in the league, who if I were to suit up and play in the NFL right now, I would want to play for John Harbaugh. He didn't speak to me for a whole entire year and did not want his players speaking to me because of things that I reported that were 100% true and that he admitted were true. He just was that angry 
that I had access to that information and that I had shared this information. And it's funny because this is the anniversary. It was at an owner's meeting in Arizona where we finally like made up and I said, okay, this isn't, you know, curing cancer here. If it bothers you that much, pick up the phone and say, don't share this information about Rolando McLean or this irked me. But the reason I'm telling you this is that whatever you're hearing out there about Lamar's demands, they're not, it, that's not coming from the Ravens. No, and Lamar is now sitting though, here. Um, Go ahead. I know you said he's been somewhat vague as to what he wants, but he did tweet three for 133. So we have to assume that that was the offer because his point when he tweeted that was, and I need an agent. So it was kind of like, so let's just take for a second that that's what the Ravens offered. And to your point, I'm sure they're not happy that that was out there. But three at 133 is 45 per. And if that's not good enough, then take it to four at 45 a year, which now gets you to four for 180. And if you were to uh, extend that out to five at again, 35, that would be five for 215, which is now you're in the Deshaun Watson neighborhood. If it's fully guaranteed, you're really close. In the neighborhood, not the same. But again, the years, I I think, are something here. This is Think about those years, Jay, right? right? Like a team may be more willing to guarantee a shorter term deal. And this is what I told you all a few weeks yeah. ago. I can't remember, Jay, if you were on set or not, when I said, this is what I really believe that Joe Burrow is going to do. And this is yeah, going to be the wave. Yeah. And I think because it will be more palatable to both sides, it's smart for a quarterback, because as I said then, and I'll repeat it now, those quarterback deals, they get old the Quick. minute the ink dries, okay? Yeah, you're, right. you're the highest paid quarterback for basically one hour until the next guy comes along. Yeah. So Patrick Mahomes, that was a huge fat deal until the very next deal. And so by the time you get to year two or year three, that deal is old anyway. That deal is outdated. That deal is under market. So why would you lock yourself up for that long? And a guy like Joe Barrow knows that in three years of guaranteed money, he can make generational life-changing wealth. And if that's the end of it, so be it. That's the end of it. He still right. has generational life-changing wealth. But three years from now, he's worth way more than he is if he locks himself into that deal right now today. So it is believable to me that the Ravens would guarantee a great amount of money for a shorter term. And it is believable to me that Lamar wants more years because obviously he doesn't know that his career will extend to a second deal after this one. He sure hopes so. But again, this is, that's my, you're making my point for me. Lamar is now starting to say more. He's starting to say, Hey, this guy wasn't negotiating for me or, Hey, you know, I could have done this even without an agent or whatever. So he's never actually said why are you paying Deshaun that, but you won't pay me that? So let's just, before we say that as stated fact, that he's looking for the same number of years and the same amount of money, I can't guarantee that that's that. But I do think that, the, I can't guarantee that that's fact. I do think we should focus on those years there. And I do think that Ursay is pretty wily in what he's saying as well. You know, Aditi, like I, I've said it from Jump Street, this is a very decent or easy negotiation to me. If you want the guaranteed money, why not just be like, look, I'll take the three for 160. They'll say that's kind of high. That's kind of high. They might back him down to 155. But if you get three for 160, you get 
all that guarantee, you can say, I got a guaranteed deal. You also get a very nice chunk of change. Plus, you're back at the table. He's only 25. Yeah. By the exactly. time he's by the time he's 28, he, he could should. be back again, and he could be looking at another three-year deal, yeah. four-year deal for maybe 50 million dollars if he if he's I mean, injury-free. That's, gee, that's exactly what we talked about a few weeks ago, and I said I've done that in my career too, where I feel like. The number wasn't necessarily what I wanted. So I said, okay, let's just do one year and let's see what I'm worth a year from now. And I was worth a heck of a lot more a year from then. And that's right. just, I think, I think that there's something smart to that. The difference of course is in my business, we don't know in our business, we don't have to worry as much about getting hurt, having a career ending injury. And that's yeah. something that he has to think about. But again, I just, I, I think I'm fascinated, and I think the way that fan bases are responding to all of it, Browns fans going nuts over Lamar asking for a trade, like that just adds a whole yeah. other piece to the intrigue and well, the reason this is sort of so popcorn-inducing. Well, what's funny to me is we have some – I think some of these people might be the same people taking both sides of the fence, but we have some fans here who are dancing a jig that – the Browns have screwed up the Ravens. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. then That's there's me. other fans who are saying, everybody's got to stop blaming the Browns for this. Well, you can't have it both ways. Take that, take that. Right. The, take that. The, yeah. the Watson contract, clearly, whether he's looking for every dollar that Watson wants or not, there's no doubt that Watson's contract is playing a role in, in the problems in this negotiation. Is that fair to say? Playing a role. Yes. yes, of course. It's not the whole thing. I think playing thing. a role in every negotiation, in every negotiation right. going forward. I think bar. the quarterback market was affected by yes. that deal. Given. Yeah. Yes. It's yes. just a new bar. And I don't think Jimmy Haslam, who has plenty of things to apologize for, including being a pathetically bad owner for a decade, I don't think he owes any apologies to the league or anybody else for this at all. Zero. No. And if it screws up the Ravens, that's a great thing for us. It's so like, you, it's you're like, hinted down it, Bull, you, and I think you're right. Yeah. I think that the league is going to look at that and shake it off. They're, well, that's what they're trying to do. Right, but now, if, if it was Mahomes and maybe even Burrow, and yeah. by the way, I think both of those guys are more deserving of that Clearly. than Jackson is. Sure. So, if you're going to make that bet, it's really not on a guy like Deshaun Watson, and it really shouldn't be on a guy like Lamar Jackson. It should be a guy that's taking you there, Mahomes right. or Burrow. Yeah, Mahomes, and, and yeah, right. So, but I do think that the league, I don't think they got together in a room, all 32 of them, and said, <laughs> hey, guys, we got to end this real quick. No more of this guaranteed nonsense. But I think it's a, like the, you would call it, the gentleman's punt. It is, they, they all know what the, what the deal yeah, is. Is it laughable that's, that that's Washington would not be interested in Didi? I mean, that is laughable. But see, this is that's Jay is making the point, and it's exactly as I said. It's thirty-two separate businesses. Yeah, it's I, not like every team does business the same way. Remember, the Cowboys took out their own merchandise and have their own licensing deals and do that their own way. I can tell you, some teams own their parking lots. Yeah. Other teams don't own their stadium parking lots. Right. Some team, you know, like the way that a team does business is distinct and unique to it. Yeah. Certainly, there are certain parameters they have to follow. Yes, but, but again, indeed, yes. The I think way, the whole collusion thing is a little silly it, in that sense. I understand what you're saying, but they don't all operate th in 32 vacuums because the way one operates impacts the way others do, particularly yes. when it comes to setting the bar for the biggest, most important position in pro sports. 
So I, I, sure. I, I hear what you're saying, and you're absolutely right. It is. It's 32 individual businesses, but they are intertwined. It's not like they all are operating, you know, in a vacuum correct, of one correct. another. Correct, correct. But what I'm saying to your point is I don't see that at the owners' meeting in Arizona right now, everybody's sitting in a room and no they're way. all no. MFing no Jimmy way. and D. No, they're not. And saying, we're never going to do this. It, it's not no. that way. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and I agree it. with that. I don't think it is either. But I think collectively they're all sitting around saying, this isn't the best way to do business. And to your point of the Ravens, like I look at them as one of these model franchises, much like the Steelers and the Patriots. They get things right. They have a way. They know how what they want to do and how they want to do it. And you, you keep talking about how amazingly disciplined they are. I think their, their brain power got in a room and said, three for 133 is as close to us being uncomfortable as we're going to go. And... That's probably where yeah. they are. Do you think he'll take another snap for the Ravens? What's your gut tell you? Gosh, that one's so hard. You know, I it can is. argue it both ways, and it really does feel like you ask me right now and ask me again in five minutes, and I can go the other way. Um, I feel like when a player wants to go, when a player feels offended – it's very hard to come back from that. Right. And even if it's cutting off your nose to spite your face, even if it's a little short-sighted. And again, uh, I'll go back to the Le'Veon Bell situation in Pittsburgh, because I think that that was somewhat very similar. You know, here was a player who was very clearly in the top three or four at his position, who had produced tremendously, who was playing the position differently than perhaps anybody else, because at the time, remember the way that he was used as a pass catcher, the way Le'Veon Bell was used as a pass catcher and a runner was a bit innovative. And he had, he and his agent had actually tried to make that argument that why are you using the running back franchise tag number as opposed to the receiver franchise tag number? So similar to Lamar playing the position differently, there's all of that. But here's where it really resonates for me. I remember having the conversation if you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. With Le'Veon about the position that he was in in Pittsburgh. Meaning he had an offensive line that was set up very specifically to block for his style. If you remember, Le'Veon kind of waited behind the line of scrimmage for a hole. He didn't just go and hit the hole. He stood back there, waited for the hole to develop, and then hit it. Not every line could do it. Not every line was as in sync or coached by a guy like Mike Munchak to be able to do that. He had a wide receiver who was arguably the best wide receiver in the game, Antonio Brown, that every single defense was keyed on. Number one for every opposing defense was not Le'Veon, it was Antonio Brown. And he had a quarterback who was ostensibly a future Hall of Famer in Ben Roethlisberger. And it was very easy. It, it, in my mind, it was easy to say to Le'Veon, you're not going to necessarily find that situation anyplace else. You're not going to find that same support, that same group. You're not going to have the same offense 
offensive scheme or creation. But a player who feels he's been disrespected by a team, a player who feels that the team isn't fighting enough for him or want him enough or whatever that situation may be, sometimes you're already a little bit checked out. And just as a coda to anybody who doesn't remember, Le'Veon Bell sat and then he went to the Jets and his yeah. career was never the same. That's right. He didn't have the same success. Right. I think that I surmise, I have reason to believe, I've been told, that Lamar may feel a little bit similarly. He may feel a little bit disrespected. And I think he's given us that indication in saying that he requested a trade, in mm -hmm. putting that out there. And remember, there's another piece to that because it's not getting filtered through an agent to Lamar. Right. Whatever Lamar is hearing, he is hearing directly. And however he is perceiving it is not then perhaps being framed by somebody else. And I know, Jay, you said you don't have an agent. I have an agent. Sometimes I hear something one way and I go on red alert and I take it personally and right. I count on my agent to kind of calm it down and say, hey, 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 this is part of the business or this is commonplace in the business. Or when they say this, it can also be read as this, this and this. Lamar doesn't have that filter. No, so, there's no buffer. All right, Aditi. Well, at right, least so when you say all of that, it, you know, right now at this very moment at 1154 a.m. Mm -hmm. on whatever day this is. Yeah, I do think that Lamar is ready to move on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, At least the way. Steelers don't have to worry about a big contract extension with a the quarterback. They've got Mac Jones. They're set with him. He's going to be a Oh, gosh. Kenny Pickett, Mac Come Jones. On, What's the uh, difference? For now on, every slapdick quarterback that, that, that home fans <laughs> overrate, I'm just calling them all Mac Jones. And Kenny Pickett is in that group. Remember I said it first? You think Mac Jones is starting for the Patriots? As of now, who else would be starting? Unless they get Lamar. Bailey's, Bailey. Bailey Zappa. Zappy. No. I don't even know how to say I can't I'm not even saying his name. How embarrassing is that? He's starting for some rock band, not not for uh, <laughs> Guitar <laughs> Hero. That's it. Frank right, Zappy Jr. We'll see you later. Bye, see you, Didi. Yeah. Now 25 CD. Uh, Thank you, Aditi. Hey, guys, we have a poll result question that we asked the YouTube chat that I want to ask you guys before we pivot. Here I like that Cavs. question, by the way. Eventually, we'll get to PCC. There we go. What's the <laughs> Thank question? you. Yeah, it's a whole carousel of advertisers now. We love it. <laughs> Are you looking for a job with career advancement and great benefits? Well, PCC, which is fifth on our carousel, first in our hearts, is the leading manufacturer in Northeast Ohio for all airfoil things needed. All locations of PCC airfoils in Eastlake, Menor, Wycliffe, and Minerva are hiring for all positions starting at $18 up. Plus, get full benefit packages, paid time off, and a signing bonus. You can apply at precast.com slash careers to learn more. This goes back to the conversation we were having right before Aditi joined the show and we went in a little more specific than the general topic. I'll give you the YouTube chat results first, then I want each of your opinions before we pivot on to the Cavaliers and Karis LeVert. Who is the more impactful acquisition in 2023 for the Browns? So just this year, who will have a bigger impact, not who's more important in totality? Yeah. Tomlinson or Moore? You guys touched on it in totality. Yeah. Give me individually. Before we get into that specific, Mike, I think I realized that when we – G and I gave big breakdowns on wide receiver versus D-line – we never got Jay's take on that. Yeah, well. I think Jay should give his take first before we get. All right, that's because Aditi that. was in the queue and we had, yeah, to, yeah, we yeah, had yeah, to move yeah. it on. And yeah. I didn't want to push her time back. Yeah. Um, you got to break the tie here. Because the question, we reframed the question, and yeah. it was which position group improved most. Right. So, the, the biggest area of improvement has to be defensive line because as a group, even with, you know, and I know Clowney, you said Clowney is a run stopper. He was nothing last year. He, he just, he, to me, he was just taking up a spot. Right. So the, the, 
you know, if you're charting it on zero to 100, with 100 being most production you can get and zero being no production, yeah, I would have had the defensive line at like 18 or 20. They were hot. They were right. Awful. But in theory, in theory, I'm not saying you this is what you think. You could go from 18 to 40. So that's what I was as opposed explain. to going from 50 to 100, well, which that, would be a bigger jump. That's what I would receiver. explain. Okay. So first of all, the yeah. Browns receivers now is not 100. No, I know. I'm just but, using so that as an example. It, I, I would just just for round numbers, I would yeah. say I'd put the DL at around a 20. Mm-hmm. And I would put the wide receiver group around a 50. Go, last season. Last season. Okay. I mean, I, I thought, again, it, the offense wasn't the problem. No. You know, and Amari Cooper had a very good season. DPJ yep. had a good season. And Joku had one of his best seasons, still not paid. Or pay, he, it still wasn't the production that they're yeah. paying for. I wasn't including the Joku season. in my analysis. Yeah, I kind of. Uh, he's a pass know, catcher, right. but yeah, yeah. But I, I just think from where the defensive line started. Yeah. And where the wide receivers were. I think they both got better, but maybe the wide receiver jumped to a 75. So it's an increase of 25, but I think the defensive line jumped to a 60 mm-hmm. or so. So I think that's more of a jump from where they were. Yeah. Because I don't, I didn't think the wide receiving, I, I would have had wide, bad, but it wasn't, I, you know, I would, I would say to me, I would go a defensive line has gone from a 20 to a 45. Mm. So you're not really buying in on these. I, well, I think 45 is towards the, is average or just below, below average. average. I hope and you have I, a b- I, I better think, than I think you could survive with that from crap to below average. Yeah. And I still think with the draft and maybe some. So where were the receivers? And whereas where are I they think now? the receivers were a 40 and now or a 45 and now they're a 75. Okay. So a little bit better for the wide yeah, receiver. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's close. I mean, listen, it's close. Here's the it's big close. thing. Yeah. Both are discernibly better. I would agree with that. So I, I mean, that, that was. That's Andrew Barry's job. Yes. His season starts the day the season ends. Yeah. And right now, if he had a win-loss record, I think he'd be about seven and three. Absolutely. I think he's, you know, he's hit on most of the things he's done. He's got a winning record. Right. And hopefully, then that will translate into the Browns next season, turning his win. Unfortunately, it's all on paper right now. It's all on paper. And now the two big, the two biggest things, and we'll obviously talk about this as the summer goes along. There are two different things, two huge areas. The Browns defense and what scheme they'll run. And the huge one is what does this new Kevin Stefanski playbook look like? Yeah, that wow. is wow. like because that is that's the whole picture. That's I remember. It. I remember. It's funny you say that because last year and we knew that Deshaun Watson was going to miss time. We didn't know yet he was going to miss 11 games. But I remember Jim Donovan, who always gives it straight, especially when, when when he's not on air and we're having conversations, he tells me, you know, he just unfiltered, boom, here yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. And he doesn't call – if it's a pig, he calls it a pig. Last year, he came in after one of the days at training camp, and he said – I said, what do you think, how they look? He's like, man, I mean, it's like watching a different team. This offense is different. They're running different schemes. The ball comes out of Watson's hands so right. crisp and so hard and so sharp. I don't recognize this team. And I don't recognize the plays they're running. A lot of stuff that we haven't seen before. And then the season started. Right. Is that? And because I'm like, wait a minute. I've seen all this yeah. before. Is that? Is that because? I don't of know. Set? Yeah. I don't know. It, we're gonna find out. Last thought on that before Mike does his read and we move on to the specifics. Yeah. Is that when you look at the again? We bring these teams up all the time. Kansas City, Cincinnati, Buffalo. Their offenses, whether you're a fan or not, objectively are tons of fun to watch. They are because they, they're, they're so dynamic. Not every single time, but more often than not. Yeah. That's the goal. 
to, for the Browns offense to look like those offenses. Yeah. Mike, and it is 12 o'clock, which means it's officially the lunch hour of the Ultimate mm. Cleveland Sports Show. And that is brought to us every day by Colleague Racing, the official NASCAR team of Northeast Ohio. Let's get into the specifics, fellas. Real quick, five minutes before we move to the Cavs. Yeah. Moore or Tomlinson? Which one has a bigger impact this year alone in their first year as a, as a Cleveland Brown? The YouTube chat was 72% for Tomlinson, for the record. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Give me the exact question again, Mike, please. Biggest impact. I think Bigger impact yeah. this year, not in the totality of their contract. You know what that surprises me? Because year. usually the player that scores and touches the ball, Facts. fans tend to think that they have bigger impacts. It's not always true. But I'll tell you, but, as a dude that put his hand in the ground for half his life, that's true. Uh, the guys who – and I had to learn myself. See, what you guys don't understand is, as a defense alignment, I could be in my gap. I can be there. Um, I can be, I can knock my guy off the ball. I can do everything requisite of me to, to be in the backfield. But there are five to seven things that can happen that nullify anything I just did. Three-step drop, quarterback threw the ball. You're not even there. Uh, maybe you, they ran play action. You didn't get into your pass rush. There's no pass rush. Maybe you were in your gap. The, the ball cut back to a guy who got cut off, and it looks like I did nothing because right. that guy got beat. Yeah. There's times where I'm playing inside. They run a toss play. If they're running outside zone, I'm never getting there. Like, sometimes I'm going to play defensive tackle, defensive end. I'm going to be subbed out. I'm not even a three-down player. I could play two downs, one down. Yeah. Maybe we're playing a team that is not going to throw the ball all that much. Hey, the Atlanta Falcons just said, you know what? Let's just run the ball 14 times against you. So, contrary to popular belief, yes, I get what people are saying. Defensive tackles, you could be one of the best to ever do it. I'll give you uh, Cortez Kennedy. Cortez Kennedy was one of the greatest defensive tackles I've ever seen play. Nobody knows who he is. You know why? Because he played for the Seattle Seahawks. They weren't very good. And he just, yeah. you just don't notice. Aaron Donald is like the one defensive tackle that gets the hype. That gets The it. other guys, they he don't change his games. And, but they, the, there's other guys who are really good. Not, nobody's Aaron Donald. I think but the Bosa's guys, change games. Yeah. Watt changes games. Right, but those guys are all outside players. Yeah. Right? There's, the, the guys in the middle, many of them make impact by just clogging up two or three offensive right. linemen. Right. And so they it's not stats. Like Tomlins is not going to put up huge stats. No. Doesn't mean no. he's not, but you're right. Now there's things on the offense that could, you know, like if the quarterback makes Elijah Moore can run a perfect route, be wide open and Watson can make a bad throw. There could be a penalty, but there's not as many things as yes. there is with the defensive tackle, as you he, say, he which is why ball. I agree with you. I think Elijah Moore, like, I think they're both going to make a pretty good impact on this team. And Tomlinson is, through th this point in their career, has been a more productive player at his position than Moore has. Right. But I think Moore, I think Tomlinson is what he is. He's a good player, and I think he's going to be a good player. Now, maybe Schwartz will get him another level up, but I think Elijah Moore's upside, like, we don't know how good he can be. Right, we don't. I think Tomlinson, at the very least, is closer to his peak than Moore is. I think yes. most people would That's agree with fair. that. Yeah. And I, I think, like... Well, how good could Moore be? I mean, again, he was drafted 30. So it's a clean sweep. We're, we all disagree all with the chat. Yeah. Yes. I, I, that's why I was surprised that the chat said yeah. 72% said that they think Tomlinson will have the bigger impact. Right. Again, I think it's so, I think it's close. Certainly, Moore is going to have the more or has the potential to have the more noticeable impact. Sure. It yeah. doesn't mean necessarily. Unless you're playing at a Miles Garrett level, you mostly play your career in anonymity. Mm -hmm. Most of those guys, it's like offensive linemen. Don't yeah. get called for holding. Don't get yeah. beat on sacks. 
It right. doesn't make you a superstar, but you, you rarely get noticed. And you yeah. don't and notice. same at that position. And especially defensive tackles, you only really notice the guys on your team. Like, yeah. most of us don't realize how good the defensive tackles. Like, if, if we ask the at most fans, like, how good are the defensive tackles on this random team? You'd be like, I don't know. I right. mean, outside of Aaron Donald and maybe one or two other guys, you wouldn't know it. I'm going to ask you guys this. I just asked Earl here, and I'm curious what you guys think. Let's say more goes between 700 and 1,000 yards this season. Yeah. Is That's that a, a big, big gap, 700 to 1,000. Yeah. I mean, just say, but he has a very productive season as a, a well, secondary. Well, 1,000 is way more productive say, than 700. Uses, the, uses 700. Yeah. We'll do 850. We'll pick okay, the Okay, split the difference, okay. 850. That's a good season and for him. And Tomlinson helps bring the Browns' defensive rushing yards against from 150 to 110. Cuts it down 40 yards. Oh, is, that's huge. So just looking at those two statistics, which is a bigger impact on the well, outcome well, of the Browns well, season? Well, here's the it's hard to say. say. That's hard to say. No, yeah. Because when you say he helps bring them down, once again, playing the position, I'm just going to give you the, the real. Stopping a run is schematic. Stopping a run is not one person. Like, it, stopping a run is I'm in my gap. The ball is ran. You got force players. You got players that are coming down in a box. There's guys who have cut back. All you have to do it based on the scheme. So if he's saying I dropped it, you know, for 140 to 110, I can't necessarily say it was. Yeah, I would it, say it's short. It could right. be it's short. the scheme, or it right. could be the fact that it's more cohesive defense. And isn't it fair to say that Dalvin Tomlinson, at least on paper, will be the biggest concern for the other team's interior offensive oh, line? Oh, no yes. question. And yes. thus. He could be, he could call, he could force a double team on him every play. But if the other guy doesn't make the tackle, that's it. It doesn't matter. So, right. so say for instance, like your defense, and I never liked this, the the, the safeties, right? Grant Delpit is going to be the free player. I'm taking up two. I gotta make sure I don't get blocked and blown off. And I got to make sure the guard don't get to the linebacker. Right now, yeah. Grant Delpit is the free player. I've done all that I could do. Right. If he misses a yes, tackle. in his hands right. now. That's it. That's it. Yeah, so your impact was null and void. Right. Because the guy that you relied on to right. do your do his job after you did yours yes. didn't do didn't it. And do that's it. what that's happened right. last year. <laughs> yeah. You had guys doing their jobs on every play, but you had a lot of plays where there were guys that right. didn't do their job. Now, Dalvin Tomlinson will probably do his job significantly better than the guy he's replacing, right. which will give them a better chance overall, but how mu how consistently yeah, overall and, will the other guys and, get and, that's, and that is yep. why, just very quickly, this, they're coming out of 30 for 30 for both the Baltimore Ravens, right? right? That, that is the reason, that is the absolute reason why when you have Sarah Goose and Adams um, immovable objects and you have a, a, a guy like Ray Lewis, who's a Hall of Famer, who's automatically going to do his job at the highest level and do more, and you have Ed Reed at the next level. Forget it. You're n they're not missing that tackle. Right. It's just not happening. As a matter of fact, they may hit you in the backfield. <laughs> it's like uh, Warren Sapp, Simeon Rice, Derek Brooks, John That's Lynch, right. Rondé Barber. Oops. That's right. That's it's it. over. Yeah. It's not, a wrap. You're not getting no yards. You've got yeah. Hall of Famers at every level, right. and you're going to be a Hall of right. Fame all-time great defense. We got a super chat from Donnie M., who is the voice of the chat, and he says, he hey, is. fellas, we're banking on Tomlinson having some heart and not letting stuff like Atlanta happen again. So maybe that's where they're going. You know, it's yes. funny. Yeah, that's a, that's a great comment. Uh, Atlanta, for me, I know the busted plays killed us, and the onside kick against the Jets killed us. 
But my the thorn in my side from last year was what Atlanta did. Oh, boy. Because well, they, they did ran it, it 14 times in a row. 12 or 13 straight yeah. run plays, and all of them were for eight yards or more. And <laughs> and they're doing it with guys that were on the practice squad on Tuesday of yeah. that week. How yeah, humiliating it for was, the defense. It was, if you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.